hear the word of God from 1 John 5. Everybody who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everybody who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everybody born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it's the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it's the testimony of God, which he's given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony that God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and his life, this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not has the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody. It's so good to be here worshiping as a church body together. Guys, can I say something? I know I say this every week. I love starting off by saying it's so good to be worshiping together. But can I tell you something? It really is. 
There is something so incredible, something so powerful in God's economy and God's way of doing things that he made it so that he, for some reason he loves, he desires the saints and the body to assemble together. He spoke to the Israelite people in assembly. He moves, and we are used as representatives in assembly, in gathering. And when we gather to worship, there's something incredible about it. I don't know why, but he moves in powerful ways, and he is glorified in it. And so when I say it's so good to be gathered together to worship together this morning, can I tell you, it really is so good. It's so good. And let me just tell you on a very practical level. I can go theological, and next week we will. But very practical, it's so good for me and my heart to see my brothers and sisters worshiping God. It's encouraging for me and my heart to know that in the midst of whatever else that is happening in my brothers and sisters' lives, they still choose to love God. And it's so encouraging for me to come into this place and to say a good morning and to give a hug and then just realize, remember again, when I'm off in my own world, doing my own thing as a family, to be reminded once again that I'm part of a bigger family. So it is so good to be worshiping together with you this morning. Today's our last sermon in our series going through the letter of 1 John. Next week, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to start a kind of a, a, we're going to do a break from our usual move. Our usual method of preaching at Waypoint Church is we go through books of the Bible, and what we typically do is we go through an Old Testament book, then a New Testament book, Old Testament book, New Testament. We kind of like to go back and forth because I tell you, we love the Old Testament just as much as we love the New Testament. Can you get amen? amen. All right, I like that. But this week, the next four weeks, we'll take a short break from our usual method and instead do a little four-week series on what do we mean when we talk about the local church? What do we mean when we talk about assembly together? What do we mean when we talk about being the hands and feet in the body? And what does that practically look like in unity? What does that practically look like in our context? How do we walk and live that out as a local church body? So that's what we're going to do for the next four weeks. This is our typical kind of routine in the life of Waypoint Church. We're used to our rhythms. You're used to the rhythm that this is like the end of summer period where we kind of do a dive into like who we are as a church or our mission statement. But this, this time we're diving into our kind of a series on what is, what is a local church. And then in September, we're starting a, a new series in the book of Revelation. I know, you're excited. I've actually never preached a series in the book of Revelation before, so I'm, I'm kind of pumped at the same time, I'm a little nervous about it. I thought about just reading a Left Behind series out loud to you guys. I'm just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But, but I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about this, this, this time together, guys. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, our overall goal at Waypoint is for us as, as, as the pastors that kind of dreamed and planned this out, is that we, if you, in 10 year span, we want to preach through every book of the Bible. So right now we're about seven years in, so for those of you who've been here from the very beginning, three more years, man, we're almost there. We'll get every book of the Bible preached through, so be excited, be pumped about it. So now let's just close up First John. Now, honestly, guys, we're going to run through this material fairly quickly, and at the end of the sermon, you'll see why we're trying to go through this fairly quickly. It's a lot in one chapter. In the book of 1 John, we saw that the believers that John was writing to had some issues in their midst. If you remember from a couple weeks ago, I shared that false teaching was starting to take hold and divide in the church. They were mainly arguing against the incarnation or against the humanity of Jesus. Some people were arguing that, well, when the dove and when John, was, when John baptized Jesus, that's when the spirit came into him. That's when he became God. But then right before his crucifixion, the spirit left him. So that's why he was able to die. 
And so there was a lot of arguments over the incarnation, the deity, the humanity of Jesus go around the people. And John was teaching his people true biblical doctrine and how right thinking, right knowledge should lead to loving. That's why I, John used the word know 39 times in, his, in, his, in this um, letter. It's so important for John, to people that, for John for people to know the truth, to know the gospel and the truth about Jesus. In some ways, we can wrap up the teaching of 1 John to three basic ideas. Believing, obeying, and loving. Believing, obeying, and loving. And this is how I feel John sort of wraps up the faith that's expressed in this letter. So number one, believing. Believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the promise delivered, that he is God incarnate. Two, obey. If you believe, you obey. Maybe not perfectly, but your life needs to be characterized by growing love for obedience to God's commands. And three, to love. You're called to love others as God's loved you. He is our source of love, and his love is made complete when we love. And so based on this teaching, this is what John is saying. This is kind of summing up his teaching in 1 John. And based on that, I feel a good test for us as a church, or what a church should be, is this. It should be one that believes in right, sound doctrine, obeys God's commandments, and loves sacrificially. Notice that we need all three. And here's the problem. I see a lot of churches focusing on a couple, one, one of those aspects, two of those aspects, and negating one or the other. But what I would love for it to be said, and what I'd love for it to be true about Waypoint Church, is that we teach our children, we teach our people true and sound doctrine. We show that Jesus is the Messiah, the way, the truth, and the life, and we teach that and we preach that. We teach and preach about the kingdom of God moving and advancing. And that we obey God's commands to make disciples of all nations and to love God and to love people. We obey his commands to love the brotherhood, to pray, and to seek his kingdom's advancements. But we're also a community who loves sacrificially. Not just in, hey, I love you, brother. But with deeds and words. How incredible would that be? That is the reputation that we have. They know and they believe the truth. They obey the commandments of their father and their master. And they love sacrificially. First John wraps up with a fair amount of repetition again. I mean, he's over. He's constantly repeating himself. But I think he has some messages that he wants us to take home. And this fair amount of repetition and recapping of what John does, what he does again in 1 John 5. And it's a great teaching technique. So to close out, uh, with a recap of what he's taught his people, he closes chapter five with these kind of four main sections. The first one is, is he teaches on victory. First John 5, one through five is on victory. And honestly, guys, I did the whole song thing again this week when I was prepping my sermon. I can't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday. And I guess I was singing victory in Jesus. My, I was just singing that. I didn't realize I was singing that, but I was walking around the office singing that. And Danny came up to me and Danny said, hey, Lawrence, are you preaching on victory this Sunday? And I said, yeah, Danny, how'd you know that? I, I, I didn't tell you what I was going with, what direction I was going with the sermon yet. And he goes, Lawrence, you were singing Victory in Jesus. And I don't think that's like normally on your playlist. You know, that's not like typically what you play when you drive here from work. I'm like, you don't know my playlist, but no. And he, he was like, yeah, you were singing Victory in Jesus. And I didn't even know that I was doing it. You know, and the funny thing is, my son, I caught my son doing this now the other day. It was so funny. My son, he was talking about, um, we're, saying he wants, we're, going, we're going on a family trip to Disney World soon. 
right? And the idea, we kept on telling him, not now, we're gonna go later, we're gonna go to uh, September. We just told him, we're gonna go in September, September, September. Well, then he starts singing that song, um, oh, I can't remember how it goes now all of a sudden. I had it all ready to go. Oh, never mind. But he started singing his song last September, and I just heard him humming it all day long. What song? I had some t- Oh, yeah, sing it for me, Peyton. Sing it, sing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, that song. My son was singing that, like, nonstop, because he was like, Disney's on his mind. I told him September, and he was just singing. I don't think he realized he was doing it. So he's like me now. He just, whenever he's thinking it, he starts singing it. So if you guys always know, it's, it's not hard to know what's on my mind. I'll start humming it or singing it. But here's the reality. This says here in verses one through five, and I'm not gonna read through the whole verse again, but it says in verse three, in fact, this is love to keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that's overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Who overcomes? Who has victory? The one who believes. Faith is what leads to victory, not intellectual prowess, not degrees, not money, not power, not esteem, but faith, belief. Empty hands stretched out embracing Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's the victory that overcomes the world, that overcomes sin, that overcomes temptation, that overcomes failures, that overcomes the hostility of Satan. It's faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is the victory. But what is victory? The word translated here is nikeo. The Greek word is a root word for a Nike. You know, Nike, the swoosh, gets its name from. It means to conquer, to gain victory, to overcome. What are we conquering? What do we gain victory over? What do we overcome? The text says the world. We're victorious over the world. Now, here's the deal. I know often it doesn't feel like this. I know it feels like the world wins a lot of times and the world pushes us down. It just feels like we're in a hamster wheel and we're just spinning and spinning and spinning and we're not getting ahead in this world. Sometimes it feels like the world is winning. You read about it in the news and media all the time, right? About hate and the hurts and the sufferings. And sometimes you think, no, no, we're not winning. The world is winning. The world is victorious. This morning, when you're feeling like this, can I say this to you? Can you take heart? Because in this world, you will have trouble. But, anybody know? Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world, and because he has overcome, by belief in him, we have overcome the world. We have victory. We have the last word. So our problems in this world don't define us. We're not trapped victims. Instead, we're beloved conquerors. Our identity isn't bound up by what the world says about us. We're beloved children of an all-powerful God. Sin doesn't have dominion over us. We are not free from the bondage and repercussions of sin. He won over death and sin. So even though we're not perfected yet in this life, we know we're on a path of sanctification and can be certain that God will complete the good work that he has started in us. Do you believe that? 
Because here's the victory. The world says this is the last lap. There's nothing else on this world, that this is it. So whatever happens on this world, then what happens to you is all that determines who you are. But the Bible says, Jesus says, I've overcome death and this world. So not what the world happens to you, but what I say will happen to you is who you are. And I say you're a beloved child who has eternity before you. I say that you're known and that you're loved and you're called to purpose. Guys, here's the problem. We don't walk in victory because we don't realize our identity in Christ. That sin no longer has to be. It doesn't mean that you're not going to sin. It means that you're on a pathway of sanctification. That spirit is working in you. And God will complete the good work he started in you. So can I say this morning, if you're struggling, may you look to Jesus who has overcome the world and know that he did enough for victory. It wasn't your ability. It wasn't your ability to conquer sin. It wasn't your ability to stay pure. It wasn't your ability to avoid temptation. It wasn't your ability that you conquered sin and trampled the serpent. But he conquered the serpent. He conquered sin and death. And because of that, we have the victory. It's looking to Jesus, that's the victory. So in faith, know that God is our source of love. And because he first loved us, we can love even the ones that are hard to love. And that means no matter how hard it is, even to love ourselves, we can also be loved. My people, victory over the world is what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And it is ours when we look to him. Number two, verses six through 12 is all about the incarnation. And he dives back into this sound teaching about the incarnation. And it's so important to John that he repeats this over and over and over again. And it's saying here it was crucial because there were so many false teachers of the day. And when he refers to water and blood, he's speaking to Jesus' incarnation, incarnation, the reality that God came to earth in the flesh. Jesus' baptism and his death on the cross affirmed that he was fully God and fully man. And there were teachers who denied it, acknowledging Jesus as Savior, but they denied his human existence. They were tricky because they would acknowledge some truths about Jesus. They would say, yes, Jesus is Savior, but he was never human. Not really. Or, yes, Jesus is Savior, but he was never God, too. He just is a good man. They believe that at his, at his baptism, Jesus might have received the Spirit, like I said, but it left him before his death. But John is saying that it was the same Jesus that was baptized who was also crucified. But John says to his readers that you don't have to take his word for There were three witnesses to it, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. The Spirit bore witness in Jesus' baptism by coming down from the heaven as a dove and remaining on him. And at Jesus' death, at the cross, we see the blood and the water that flowed from his side as witness as well. But I love in verse 6, the present tense of the verb indicates that John wants to show that the Spirit continues to be his witness to the community of believers. As verse 10 states, we know this to be true as well because the Spirit witnesses to us through the word of God in which Jesus' baptism and death are foretold. So we have the witness of the Spirit in our hearts. Those of faith who do not. Here's what this means, guys. We have this ultimate testimony of all the eyewitnesses, the human testimonies, the blood and the water, the countless people who saw Jesus resurrected, the stone and the, the soldiers. We have all the evidence in all the world of Jesus' resurrection. But more importantly and more powerfully is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. That, I love that present tense that John's using here. He's using that present tense to establish that the Holy Spirit is still telling your heart. Guys, can I tell you something? It is okay that sometimes you wrestle and struggle and doubt and have questions. Do you hear me? 
it is okay. It's okay. Because what's going to happen is when that happens, the Holy Spirit will also still speak in your heart. And the Holy Spirit will say, still those voices that sometimes your mind conjures up. And the Holy Spirit will then bring his peace to remind you that yes, sometimes doubt is here, but rest that the Spirit has moved in your heart and you have a new heart inside of you. The Spirit is still testifying today. The Spirit is still the one who put his seal, his, his seal upon you that he's a down payment of your inheritance. You have the Spirit in you. And he who has a son has life. Third section, verses 13 through 17, is a, a section of assurance. John is saying that as a believer, as a follower of Christ, as someone who has given control of your life to God, you know that you have eternal life. To rest assured, don't be afraid of losing your salvation when you sin. That you can actually scripturally and factually refute Satan and the voices of the enemy when he tries to whisper lies about you not being good enough or about you messing up too many times. You can have confidence in who you are in Christ, knowing that you're a beloved child. Now, he, does, he breaks into this section on, on prayer, and I'll be honest with you guys, a lot of you guys probably heard James reading it, and you're like, yeah, Lawrence, talk about verses 16 and 17. I mean, what are they talking about? It's, I mean, pray for someone who is sinning, but don't pray for the one who sins leads to death, and what in the world? Here's what I'm gonna do for you guys. This is a teaser, you ready? Go to the realm, right? If you're not on the realm, what I'm gonna do, because I don't have time to dive into all this today, this morning, because I wanna do something cool at the end, I'll have two articles posted on the Rome, and you can read all about those passages of scripture. <laughs> I'm doing, in all honesty, I could dive into it, but I didn't want to spend way too much time trying to argue why I think this certain way about this certain scripture, because there are multiple interpretations, okay? So don't, not order to waste the time to dive into all these different interpretations, I'm just gonna let you read the interpretations of that scripture. Is that okay? So if you don't have the realm, uh, you can email Sharon, you can email office at waypointrdu and just ask for those articles as well. Or just get on the realm. That's another plug for the realm, okay? But I will, I promise you, but ultimately, in essence, it's saying in the first part, have assurance that you're a beloved child, but that also that you should pray and know that your prayers are not just empty words that hit the ceiling and stop. But that your prayers actually go to God. But then you're like, well, not all my prayers are answered. It says all my prayers are going to be answered, but not all my prayers. No, if you read the rest of the Bible, remember, you need the Bible to interpret the Bible. Remember that, okay? God is not a genie in a bottle that you can be like, oh, well, I want, I want, you know, I want the, the, the Gators to win the national championship every year, and I pray every year for it. All right? that's, that's not what it is. Do you understand that? It's when you're walking in the will of God, God does something incredible. Remember what we said last week? I said prayer is God's appointed means of enacting his will, right? Prayer is God's appointed means of enacting his will. So what happens is when you're walking in the will of God, as you're being sanctified, as you rest in assurance of God, then you start praying for the will of God. Your heart desires the same desires that heart God has. Guys, can I tell you this? I have no doubt in my heart, no doubt in my mind, that as we pray for the Gambia, God has called us to that prayer. He's moving in that prayer, and God will see mighty things happen through those prayers because that is his appointed means of moving in Gambia. Do you see what I'm saying? And it also goes further that if you have believers who are going away, if you have unbelievers, or believers who are sinning, God says to pray for them. The takeaway before I dive into, before you go read all the articles or the commentaries, the takeaway is this, God calls you to pray and he hears your prayer.
And then section four, 18 through 21. I love this. I feel like this is like rapid fire, hammering in like, all right, I feel like, it's almost like first John's like, okay, I'm getting to the end of my letter. I don't know why he's running out of time, but he wants to just be like, guys, when I was, um, when I was in high school, I took something called the IB exams. I was in an IB program. All right, all right, IB program. Yes, one person. Um, but during the thing, one of the teachers said, if you're getting to the end part, your essay parts were the end of your history exam. And she said, when you get to the end of it, if you're running out of time as you're writing your paper, right, what you can do is list your, your, your thoughts, list your, like, your main points, even though you have time to write out a nice paper about it, just at least list them, you might get partial credit. I was, a, I don't know if I should admit this. I'll, I will admit this. By that point, I already had my scholarships. I already was accepted to college. I was like, what's the point of these tests? I'm, I don't want to sit here for four hours. I'm tired. I want to take a nap. So I... <laughs> At the very beginning of the exam, I just listed my points and said running out of time and took a nap. But that's what I feel like John is doing here. He's like saying, running out of time, main points, really quickly, hear, hear, hear what this is. And he goes, and these are what, this is my kind of like little paraphrase of this, but he's like rapid fire, succession of truth that John wants to hammer home. He says, we know we're not to continue to sin. We know that God keeps us safe from the evil one. We know that we're the children of God, but the world is still under the control of the evil one. But we know that the son of God has come and given true understanding of who God is. We know him who is true and our identity is found in him. We know where to keep ourselves from idols, which I love that last little bit he just throws in there. Almost doesn't even make, doesn't fit. He's just like, oh yeah, by the way, stay away from idols. And you're kind of wondering, like, is he talking about like statues? Is he talking about like the calves of the old? Is he talking about Greek? What's he talking about? He just doesn't explain. He just says, just stay away from idols. So I'll say the same thing, stay away from idols. Moving on. But that was a quick look into 1 John 5. And the reason I went rapid fire to finish this out was because I want to do something that I think might be helpful for our body this morning. We heard John say over and over and over again in this letter that we're to love one another. To make sure we love each other in this body, how we can complete God's love when we sh- and show who he is by the way we love. Well, I know sometimes it's easy to say a command but harder to sort of figure out what exactly that means for us to do. It's easy for me to get up here and say, hey, love one another. It's easy for you guys to say, yay, we're to love one another, but not at all really know what that looks like or means, right? What does loving one another really look like? So this morning, I would love for us to do something uncomfortable for a lot of you guys. Some of you guys, I don't know what church tradition you grew up in, but this might be weird for you. But what I want us to do is this. I want us to go around the room, and if it's on your heart to share, I want you to share some testimonies of how you've seen fleshed out in the body love. I want to hear from you at a time where you can just share how you've seen the body examples of love, of who God is, and seen how God's been seen and shown for who he is by the way the church and the body have loved each other. Now, I want to give you a few quick reasons why we do this. Number one, I believe this glorifies the Father. We're praising him as our source and only ability to love well. Two, I believe we replicate what we celebrate. I believe we replicate what we celebrate. In other words, what we joy in, what we acknowledge, we will do. So I want us to acknowledge and take joy in the way we love so that we can do more of it. Three, I would love it if you share because some of us need some ideas on how to give and receive love. We're not sure. And we don't know what's acceptable sometimes and we're scared. We don't want to cross boundaries and lines or we're kind of 
scared of, of showing love to people who might not receive love that way or we're very private people in America. Right? We say get together on Sundays occasionally, but we don't really live in community, do we? Let's share examples of loving in community so we can be encouraged to do it more. And four, I would love to be shared because some of us need reminders that we can be loved. I mean, sometimes it's hard to feel loved and to remember that we're loved. I mean, I tell my children all the time that I love them so they don't forget that they are radically loved. We don't often tell each other that we love each other. I mean, we say we're supposed to, like maybe intellectually we may, but when was the last time you said to somebody, hey, I love you? Now, it feels awkward, right? I mean, you can say to your family, like, I love you to your wife or your kids, but when was the last time you walked up to somebody in this church in all seriousness, looked at them and said, I love you? Most of you guys might be like, please don't do that to me, Lawrence. That would be so awkward. But why? Why is that awkward? The Bible says over and over and over again, we're to love each other. Sometimes, can I be honest with you guys, I need to feel loved and I need to know that I'm loved. I'm just gonna be real with you. I'm married to my wife and I love my wife. She's the most gifted, talented, awesome woman of all time, right? But I'll be honest, just truth, she admits this. She's not like the most ooey-gooey, what's the word for it, the most um, sappy person out there, right? She's not, but I'll be honest, I'm much more. So sometimes every once in a while I'll be like, Gina, you wanna tell me you love me? And she's like, you know I love you. I'm like, you can just say it, yeah. Right? I know my wife loves me. She lives it out every day. She deals with me every day. But sometimes it's good to hear it, isn't it? Am I right? Can I get an amen to that? Am I the only one? Don't make me out as a weirdo here. My people, guys, I want us to go around, I want to share testimonies of love and that we've experienced in the body. Maybe we've seen, maybe we've heard, maybe we've, we've felt. Because guys, I want us to know that, I want to remind you also that you're loved and you can be loved. Amen? So I know this is uncomfortable, guys. I know this is weird. I know for some of you this is like, this doesn't feel right. Uh, uh, this is not Western American church like I'm used to. Uh, but please, I encourage you, step out of your comfort zone and know that our body needs you. We need to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you and it glorifies God. So if you want to raise your hand whenever you feel ready to share, Dan's going to go to you. He's going to hold the mic out for you and we'd love for you to hear testimonies of love. Taking a, a leap of faith here just because I want, like... Say your name. Sorry. <laughs> My name is Young. I, I, I serve on the worship team, so you've seen me. I hope to get to know all of you more. But, um, yeah, I'm taking a leap of faith here just because um, I've been in this, like, healing process, and I really want the healing to be complete. So... Um, Without going into like all the details, um, there's been some like sin from my past uh, that I have been carrying the weight of it and the shame for like seven years now. Like just, I hadn't even told my husband until recently and it was just like a real big burden where I would try to work through the layers of it, go to God, but I got to a point where I was, um, you know, I'm like, I'm, I don't have to say everything. I don't have to confess everything. Um, I'm kind of like in a place where I can tolerate this, this amount of like compromise, you know. 
Um, but knowing, like, in my heart, like, you know, com- you know, James says, like, confess your sins to one another and, and be healed. And I'm like, I, I know that to be true, but I just was still ashamed, and um, I didn't know how it would affect my community. I didn't know what, you know, my leadership would say. I didn't know how um, my husband would react to me. But um, out of, like, just Lord working in my heart and me finally being able to share with a sister here, my small group for like the second person I ever told in my life. Um, she like was so accepting, like didn't judge me at all and encouraged me like, Hey, you need to talk to your husband. You need to, you know, talk to people and get like, you know, and, and so like that next day, like I like opened up and, um, like you know my Kelvin's been like amazing he still loves me and didn't reject me and like um and I feel like I had been just waiting and holding out knowing that like the church loves me but like still afraid to step into that and I've only more recently I'm I'm finally taking those steps and waypoint like you guys have been amazing and I'm so thankful for my small group and the people here and um just, I'm, I'm so thankful to finally be free of this burden I've been carrying for so long. So thank you so much, church, for, for being there. Yeah. Amen. Hi, everyone. I'm Grace. Um, and a lot of you know that we have just had a very challenging year, um, probably like many of you. And there's been times um, where it's just felt like there's been um, things that have hit. And it's like, okay, we feel very broken. We're, we're coming back out of it. And then it's like something else will happen. Um, and we continue to feel very broken and exhausted. And I'm a pretty prideful person who doesn't like to show up um, broken and exhausted when people ask how are you doing it gets um, it's hard to continue to say well things are really bad um, and I think as you know as Christians um, it's easy to say that you are praying for someone um, you know the first time they share something hard but when it is repeatedly um, you're repeatedly sharing your your burdens with people um, I've just been amazed by the people in this church community um, just continuing to love us and pray for us, even when it looks like things are not um, necessarily getting better, getting easier. Um, and yeah, that just looked like us, you know, walking through different things with foster care. It has looked like us, um, you know, experiencing two miscarriages back to back. And um, yeah, I've just been amazed with the women in our church just like showing up. Um, and sharing their stories with me, um, asking to share, asking to hear and listen to my story as well and help us just process that grief and continue to pray for us. And yeah, we've learned a lot about um, grieving this past year and a lot of that has been um, how to grieve with people and let people in, let people love us and pray for us. And it's, it's been so encouraging. Thank you, Chris. Um, sorry. Uh, I'm Dylan, her husband. Um, and just to 
So I don't sit in grief very well, so I'm going to give you guys some really awesome news. Um, but this past week or month, um, we've been leading up to uh, a foster care trial um, where we've been waiting to move towards an adoption um, phase with, with our son, Jeremiah. Um, and so much this week, um, people have been texting me or reaching out to me or um, Instagram messaging me about like, oh, when's the, when's the hearing, when's the hearing? Um, and I know only uh, by the prayers of this church and, and our family uh, across the country um, that Jeremiah's case is officially moving forward uh, with us and uh, parental rights were relinquished. And so uh, just thank you so much for all your prayers. There's been so much love from this community. Um, he, you guys have loved him before he was even in our home because he was with another family from Waypoint uh, before us. And so uh, it's also just so comforting to know that you were with us in loss and you're also with us in celebration. And so um, more to come on that because it's, everything's not official until it's official, but uh, it's moving and it was a long stressful day, but because of you all, we knew that we could do it because we had so much support from you guys and then God obviously made things work uh, in the way he does. But yeah, thanks y'all. Amen. Maybe one more. Stanley, good morning, everybody. Um, and, and I love each and every one of you. Um, some of these notes I've been taking for the last month um, that there's no fear in love. Uh, you know, I, I noticed something. When you get a little elderly, you, you, you kind of understand the difference between love, like, and want. You know, and I always think that people confuse the word love with sexuality, and um, it's not necessarily so. One of, one of the biggest things is to remember that um, these notes came from up there. Uh, love, love is the greatest commandment. Uh, you know, I can I could tell Danny I love him, but I don't have to like him. Um, that's, that's just simple, the, the, the fact. You know, and, and if I do tell him I like him, it don't mean I want him to do something for me. So it, it's got this trickle-down effect. So I, I just keep it simple as, man, I just love you because you're not a human being. And, um, and, and I believe you have to show, show and tell this. You know, I, I probably told five people already this morning that I love them. And um, I, I wasn't able to hug them, but... Uh, that's where I'm at. And, and I like to tell people that I love them. Um, if they love me back, that's optional. <laughs> and, you know, that'll be great. So I love you too, Danny. Oh, Thank you. you. We're thankful for you. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I would stand up, but he's a little bit, a lot of bit fussy right now. Uh, I'm Casey, and I feel like over the years at Waypoint, I've been a part of a lot of small groups, uh, and I've loved every one of them. 
But yeah, I've got a little six month old son and after having him, nope, you can't have the microphone, buddy. Um, I just really didn't feel like myself at all uh, and still think I'm coming out of it. And I know that a lot of women struggle with postpartum depression and anxiety. Uh, And I was like, but but that won't be me. And, And it was. And just like stopped reaching out to people, stopped really wanting to hang out. And that's not me at all. And my small group... Shout out to my small group. You guys are amazing. Uh, still just like consistently invite me to things, ex- at like, but not expect me to be there, not shame me if I haven't been to small group in a month. And just really loved me well in a time where I wasn't loving back well. Uh, and so I just have felt really loved by my community here that even when I'm not wanting to, to respond well, or wanting to, but not able to. And as I'm starting to feel more like myself, praise God, um, my small group is still there and uh, and still wants to hang out with me and, and care for me. So, yeah, love how I've been loved. Amen. Hey, guys. My name is Benjamin, uh, and I came here about two years ago. When I first came here, I was coming out of a time when I was very far in a lot of ways from God, and oftentimes I'd be, you know, looking for ways to just kind of keep it that way, Um, and wanting to, and just not really feeling a whole lot of the love around me. wanting to just kind of keep myself distance. And as I was as I was here at Waypoint and coming in, there was so much love from the people around me. Every time that I felt like I was, you know, not doing so great or something, and there was always somebody that I either would speak to me in church and talk to me, kind of like showing me their love, bring me back. Um, and then there were other people who were actively reaching out, whether they necessarily news in that way or not and it was just this constant pull this constant feeling of love every single time that I was here every time every single time I was around people who were from here that were just constantly pulling me back pulling me back pulling me back and no matter what I said or did never never made me feel ashamed never pushed me away in any sort of thing like that. Um, and I definitely look back and I see like my life could have turned out so very drastically differently than what it is now because of the love of the people around me, because of the people who are constantly pulling me back towards Christ. And I thank God so often for that and thank you all for continuing to, to do that moving. Waypoint Church, I know I love these stories of love. And may it remind you, may it encourage you, may it glorify God, may it give you ideas on how to love. But can I also say this? I'm just going to throw that out there. For some of you, you might not yet have felt this love. I'm just going to be honest about that. 
Some of you guys might be here and be like, well, I haven't felt that much love yet or I haven't had the opportunity yet or maybe that, that's not my experience here. And I, first of all, if that's not, I want to love to radically change that experience for you. But the reality is we're imperfect people gathering in an imperfect world, Right? And the reality is what we're trying to do is the way we're trying to love is, is, is this kind of biblical worldview, this gospel-centered idea of love, and it's very foreign to what we're used to. There's so many of us often don't even know how to respond to that kind of love. We're also, we don't know how to get involved in that kind of love. Also, we might hold that kind of stuff in an arm's length away. And I'm not blaming you. What I'm saying is, guys, I'm asking you, I'm imploring you, let's try it. Let's see what it's like when we become vulnerable to obey the commands of God, to believe the truth of God, and to be sacrificially loving. And for those of you, can I just be honest, who have experienced horrible experiences in church, the places where it should have been the most loving and welcoming places has been trauma for you. And so you're gonna hold a church at arms like the way, I understand that. And we wanna lovingly, patiently walk with you in that time. And so we'll be here patiently walking in love with you. Knowing that, guys, I'm going to proclaim this. Guys, as much as I love everybody in this church and as much as I love this church, we are nowhere near perfect. And we're going to probably mess up. I know myself. I mess up often. But I honestly, earnestly pray that the Spirit is moving in this place as we humbly seek the Lord's will and we try to love each other. May we be vulnerable. May we have the people around us to speak into us so that we can be a loving community together. I feel like in 1 John, if John was here, this is what he's saying to his people. I feel like this is the letter John wrapped up and he's just saying, guys, believe rightly about Jesus, about who he is. Guys, do what he's gonna call together as the body, love one another as the body, love one another as the body and reach and do the commands I've called you to do. And that's how we close out this time in 1 John together. May we be moved to love well. And the areas that we fall as a church, guys, may we ask your forgiveness and may we come together and take all personal ownership and stake in this body to love each other well. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for first loving us. That every story, every example of love comes first because you first loved us. That you are the source and you get all the glory, God. It's only by you and by your grace and by your your incredible love for us that we can love in any way, shape, or form. So God, in this imperfect place with us imperfect people, thank you for giving us the perfect one, the Son, Jesus Christ, who died upon the cross who took on the weight of all the sin, who conquered sin and death, who overcomes the world so that we can be overcomers of the world as well, so that we have victory as well. Thank you that in him we can now truly love each other well, that we can be used by you to accomplish your commandments, to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, God, for moving and for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.